We had an awesome, beautiful conference, as Christine Kane taught us to say. Um, we saw a breakthrough. We had fun. We had. We didn't want it to end. We really didn't want it to end. And so. I am excited that you get to hear today and all of our campuses get to hear today from Christine Kane. And I want you to, yes, yes. Fasten your seatbelts and take notes. Get your notes ready and welcome her to our campus, to our church. We love her. Thank you. I love you. Hey, church, how y'all doing? I am so excited to be with you all today. And um, Pastor Craig and Debbie, it is just an honour to be in your house. And listen, this church is a little bit like God. I don't know where you're watching me from today, um, but you're a bit like God, like you're just omnipresent. And um, you're like all over uh, this whole region. And so I want you to know wherever you are, there I am. And that's, that's the joy of technology. And I love that today. There's a lot of estrogen in the room, but I've got to say, I'm glad for the testosterone in the room today, that is for sure. And, um, you know, I like me some men in the house, so that's, that's nice. We, we've had a ball. Uh, there was, um, the Lord did so many amazing things. And I, I thank God for this house that honours and values the women of the house. And, um, you know, that's, that's not a common thing. And so you ought to thank God that you are planted in such a great church under such great leaders. Because uh, let me just say, I... I've been here 48 hours and I've fallen in love with you already. Who knew? Tampa, Florida. Who knew? Okay. <laughs> and so uh, it is also, I'm going to dive right into the Word today. I'm both Greek and a woman, so I only speak three ways, hard, fast, and continuously. So today you won't fall asleep. That will be for sure. I want you to turn to the book of Luke. Uh, I was speaking to my husband just before I came in. And, you know, I'm telling you, when we moved to America, he wanted to move to Florida because he believes you are the promised land. And, um, and so, but we're in California because it was a little bit closer. I know some of you just went, whoa, yes, that's where we live. And so I've been here and for 48 hours, I have been free at last, free at last. Thank God <laughs> almighty, I'm free at last. <laughs> and so he's so jealous if he didn't have a big, um, you know, mountain bike race coming up, he would be here, any excuse to be here. So we're going to turn to the book of Luke chapter 7. I love this, one of my favourite portions of Scripture. It says in Luke 7, after he had finished, this is Jesus, after he had finished all of his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, and was, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he said to him, elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he's worthy to have you do this for him for he loves our nation. And he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word. Everyone say, say the word. You all sounded so American. Say the word. Okay, but say the word. We're all saying the word. But say the word. And let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. I, lo I love this. 
Jesus had just finished preaching perhaps his most famous sermon that we would know him for, the Sermon on the Mount. He came down from preaching that sermon and he was going to his ministry headquarters in Capernaum, a strategic city, great city to have your headquarters. And, and you know, it had a great tra trade route and people crossed through there to go from the east to the west. So it was a very strategic city. Before he even got back into his city, the Jewish elders came and, and they started to intercede on behalf of this centurion's servant who was sick. Now, Immediately upon seeing this, you know there's something a little bit unusual about this text. Firstly, the fact that there are Jewish elders advocating for a centurion is a little bit odd. A centurion was like a, a Roman guard and he was maybe like a captain of an army, had about 100 people under his care. And centurions were placed all around Israel in villages and in cities to do essentially two things. Basically to collect taxes and to keep the peace. So as you can imagine, that's not a way to win friends and influence people. Like, you know, that's not the most loved people in the world. So they weren't majorly loved. But these Jewish elders were advocating and saying he's got a servant and he's sick. And the text tells us that this centurion had a servant. That word servant is more like a, a slave, a thulos, a slave. Now, Nick and I oversee the A21 campaign. And so we have, you know, 16 officers in 19 countries around the world and are committed to abolishing slavery everywhere forever. And in most countries in the world, in the 21st century, slavery is essentially illegal, but it wasn't during this time. And so if someone had a slave and the slave got sick, the servant got sick, they were sort of considered disposable. It really didn't matter. We'll just get another one to take their place. So we know that there was something a little bit unusual about the centurion. He was obviously a very compassionate man because he wanted this servant to be made well. There's something unusual about him. He was obviously extremely generous because Scripture tells us that he built the synagogue. That's what the Jewish elders said. He built us our synagogue. Look, it's not often that someone from another faith, another religion is going to build a house of worship for someone of another religion. A Roman centurion is paying for a Jewish synagogue to be built. What can we learn from this? That, listen, never underestimate how God might get to you what you need. God will use anyone at any time in any place to get you what you need to open doors and to provide for you. It's just the way of God. And not only that, he was obviously a very humble man because when he comes, when Jesus is coming towards his house, he's saying, you don't even need to come inside. You don't need to come in. Just say the word. Just say the word. What a humility he had. He recognised something about Jesus that even Jesus' own people didn't recognise. He said, you just say the word. And the Bible says that Jesus marvelled. That word in Greek is thafmazel. I know that because my mother used to say it to me a lot. I know a little Greek. I'm little and Greek. That's about it. That's as deep as it goes. But the fact is that that word thafmazel means to be astounded, to be astonished. My mother said it so many times, if something was astounding, if something made you just be in awe, if something made you wonder, it was thavmazo. That word thavmazo is used 43 times in the Scripture. But it's only ever used two times when it comes to Jesus. There are only two times in the Gospels that Jesus Christ marveled, that Jesus Christ thavmazo. Now, to me, it is amazing that Jesus would ever marvel even once. I mean, this is God who knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. What on earth 
would cause the God of the universe who knows everything to marvel. But according to this text, there is the type of faith available to the people of God that can make the God of the universe stop and marvel. And let me just say in 2022, we need the kind of faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel, the God of the universe to stop. And Jesus said, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. So that's the once of the two times that that word thavmazo is used. We're going to turn to the other time. I want you to go to the book of Mark. Everyone say Mark. 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 We're going to Mark. Mark. Everyone say Mark. That's better. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oh, some of you know that. Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. I just think, how bad would that be that you go down in the Bible for all of eternity as the people that took offense at God? And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now listen, church, we would call that a really good weekend in church. If someone said, oh, wow, we went to church and laid our hands on a few people and healed them. I mean, it would be all over the papers, but apparently according to this text, that means no mighty work. No mighty work. Isn't it amazing what God considers a mighty work and what we do? He could do no mighty work there except that He laid His hands on a few sick people and healed them. And He marvelled, there's that word, because of their unbelief. The two times Jesus thavmazod in Scripture, both had to do with faith. The first time He marvelled at the faith of a Roman centurion, a Gentile that should not have had any faith. He marvelled at the faith of an unbeliever that believed that Jesus was who He said He was and could do what He said He could do. And then He marvelled at the unbelief of those that should have believed. He marvelled at the fact that those that were most familiar with Him doubted Him and were full of unbelief. You see, familiarity with Jesus can breed an absolute lack of faith. It really can. The more familiar you become with the things of God, with the house of God, the more familiar you become with just what options we have when it comes to the kingdom of God, the the more familiar we become with Jesus, it can breed a laziness in our faith. See, what we have on the, well, the issue we have on the earth today, ultimately, Ultimately, it's not a political problem. It's not a sociological problem. It's not a moral problem. It's not an economic problem. It's not an environmental problem. Ultimately, the greatest problem we're having on the earth today is a faith problem. We've got too many unbelieving believers. We've got too many unbelieving believers that do not believe that God is who He says He is and that God can do what He says He can do. Jesus marveled at their unbelief. So amazing when you have options. Oh, I'll just go to church next week. Until you can't. Don't know if I'll go this week. Don't know if I, you know, 
like that worship band or this worship band. I don't feel like this until you, you no longer have the choice. See, what we, a lot of us don't have yet is that gift of desperation because we've still got too many options. And so when you think you have options, <laughs> you can become really familiar and lazy with your faith. And you wake up one day and go, whoo, I no longer have options. It's amazing. So these people were most familiar with Jesus. And they had the kind of unbelief that meant that the God of the, now of course God is God. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. God can do whatever He could do and wants to do. But according to this text, there is a level of unbelief that can stop God doing all that He wants to do. I think every single weekend when we finish church, when we leave the building and Jesus leaves with us, that He marvels one way or another. I wonder whether He marvels at our faith or our unbelief. I wonder whether He says, I could have done so much more in that house today had there been more faith in that house. I could have done so much more. So many more people could have been saved or delivered or healed. So many more could have been reconciled. So much more could have happened if my people came with a sense of faith and expectation. Do you know what we could achieve as the church on the earth if we didn't just have to keep the people saved every week? But if we came saved and full of faith, we could be the prophetic force on the planet that God has called us to be and do what God has called us us to do. God's looking for an amazing faith. Faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel. You know, I was speaking at a, a conference. It was astounding to me. Nick and I went to a certain part of um, Southeast Asia and someone had brought over the four streams, the leaders of the four streams of the Chinese underground church. There was 125 from each of the four streams, the major four streams. They'd never been together before. And so there was five, uh, whatever that makes, 125, yes. 500 people there. <laughs> I'm an English major, not math. There was 500 people there. And what was astounding was they had invited me because what had happened is when there was a revival of the Spirit of God, it was predominantly in the agrarian and the agricultural community, obviously it was out in the fields and it was amongst the normal people and just people that were uneducated because the government didn't allow them to be educated and they were working the fields and the Spirit of God moved and they saw signs and wonders and miracles. And in fact, in our lifetime, whether you're aware of it or not, the greatest revival in the Christian church around the world has been in the Chinese church. It's been unbelievable the amount of people that the Spirit of God has saved and, and the miracles and the signs and wonders that have happened. And what had happened was obviously with industrialization, urbanization, people moved to Shanghai, Beijing, the major cities. And what is happening is many of the young people who are the children and the grandchildren of the people that were in these revivals that they sort of considered a little bit uneducated and a little bit uncouth and anything but cool because like the Holy Spirit came and weird things happened because, you know, they, they, they had maybe one little verse of Scripture that had been smuggled in and, you know, the Holy Spirit had to speak to them about where the meetings were going to be and what they were going to do and whether their guards were going to happen. And, and so then suddenly we have urbanisation, we have industrialization, we have technology and we move into the cities and young people have access to all of the technology in all of the Western world and suddenly they're just too cool for school. We start hemorrhaging a generation out of the church. And so they invited me to say, Christine, can you talk to us about how to reach the next generation? Because we never learned anything about leadership. 
and we don't know how to do it. And this is exactly what they said to me, people with scars, elderly people that had seen the greatest revival that, that I've only read about in history textbooks. And they said, the only thing we were taught was how to witness to our prison guards on the way to our execution. I just stopped. And through my translator, I said, like, can you just repeat that? You want me to come here because you don't know any leadership because the only thing you know is how to witness to your prison guard on the way to your execution. I just remember, I got down on my knees. I was weeping. And I said, I don't really know why I'm here. I'm not really sure what you think I can teach you. I'm not really here to tell you anything. Whatever it is that you've got, that kind of faith that would cause you to witness to your prison guard on your way to your execution, that's the kind of faith that I want. That's the kind of faith that I wanna take back to North America. That's the kind of revival fire that I want burning on the inside of me. I want the kind of faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel. But the kind of faith that I'm talking about, church, is is not really cool in 2022, not at all. See, I think most of our generation is so busy impressing each other that we are no longer amazing God. We have confused impressing one another with being in the prayer closet and stirring up the gift of faith that God's given us so that we can amaze Him that He would perform signs and wonders and miracles in our generation so it goes from the song into actuality. But you see, when you are so busy curating your public profile and making sure that it's cropped and that it's edited and that it's filtered right, we have confused curating our public profiles with cultivating private intimacy with Jesus. And power... Holy Ghost power only comes out of private intimacy with Jesus. It doesn't matter what font or what screenshot or what uh, filter you place on your Instagram or your TikTok post. I don't care how cool your TikTok dance is. There is no power in it. Power comes from heaven. Power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. That's where power comes from. The kind of power I'm talking about though is not really cool in this world. But I wanna just remind you that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm just reminding you of what Christians are supposed to be. We're a faith people. So the cooler you are, really it's great. You can have the skinniest jeans, the shortest jeans, the most cropped jeans, the greatest tats, or however many piercings you want. That's fantastic. But if you think that in any way is the source of power or that coolness is what's going to reach it. That's just called being in this world. We dress like we're in 2022 because we're in 2022. That's awesome. That's why we do it. No more complicated than that. We use technology that's available in 2022 because that's how we communicate in 2022. We're not deluded thinking there's any power in all of that. We just are in this uh, era and we live in this generation and we live in this millennium. So there's no point using 19th century tools to reach a 21st century world. That's all that that is. But the power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And so what we need to do is understand that we live in a, a scientific, rational world. We live in a postmodern world. We live in a post-Christian world. It makes me laugh. I mean, they've got so many posts that were posted into orbit. You know, we just post everything. And reigning in our days, humanism and secular, secularism and postmodernism and all the isms. 
And in fact, to have the kind of faith that I'm talking about, people think you've lost your mind. People think that you really just have not even got a brain. The kind of faith that would believe that this is the authoritative, sufficient, inerrant Word of God. People go, Christine, you believe that? I'm like, yeah. Christine, I thought you were educated. I am, but what do you mean? You, you, you believe in a virgin birth, yes. But Christine, that's like, did you fail biology? I'm like, no, no, no. I know I sent my daughter to college and I said to her, I do believe in a virgin birth, but I only believe there was ever one. Don't try this at home and come and try to sell me. I said, no. I mean, Christine, do you, do, do you believe like, like a, a, a dead, like Jewish man 2,000 years ago, like rose again? I'm like, yeah. But Christine, that's impossible. I know. but I don't need a God that could do what I could do. I need a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that I could ever ask, hope or think. I don't need a God that is created in my image. I don't need a God that I can work out. Christine, do, do you, you really adhere to a Christian sexual ethic in 2022? Yes. Oh, Christine, that is just so 1950s. Don't you know we're in 2022? But Chris, that's like, just like, just, that is just so bigoted. Christine, you are just so narrow. Christine, you are just so, so like, like really, you believe that? I mean, what about all those problematic texts? What about all those like really violent things in the Old Testament and all those like genocides in Joshua and Christine, how could you believe in a, look, do you believe? Yes, I believe it. But Christine, it's just so problematic and so violent. Look, I don't, just because I don't like it doesn't make it not true. So we have a world that's just like, what do you mean you believe that? What do you mean? It's not like it's, it's cool. So to have the kind of faith that causes God to marvel is gonna require a lot of risk in 2022. It's gonna require us to step out of the boat and go, okay, there's no longer any currency with like being a Christian, like some cultural currency, like it's gonna buy you brownie points because people really are gonna look at you like you've got two heads. You believe that? In an in a era of deconstruction and post-construction, I mean, everything is just like, whoa, no, the, you know, this word's not really this word and, and let's just change this socially and let's just change this morally and let's just, and I'm like, whoa. And then we wonder why there's no power and we're wondering why the world is unraveling. I want the kind of faith that causes God to marvel. And that's a countercultural faith. That's a faith that people will look at you, but, but listen, what does the Scripture say in Romans 1.17? The righteous will live by what? Faith. So if you're waiting for everyone to think it's okay, you're gonna be waiting forever. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Welcome to 2022. It may as well be written for us. Because in this world, you're okay as long as you don't have a Judeo-Christian faith. It's okay to believe anything and adhere to anything except for a Judeo-Christian faith because that is considered dangerous. But you know what? We need a generation of Christians that believe that God is who He says He is and that God can still do what He says He can do. The kind of generation that causes the God of the universe to marvel. A marvellous faith. And so you've got to make some decisions because it's risky. And this is what happens 
young people especially. The fact of the matter is faith is predicated on trust, not understanding. So if the enemy can undermine to you the character and nature of God, if he can make you think that God is not good, and if he can make you think that God's not out for your ultimate good, you will not trust or obey a God that you do not believe is good. Scripture says that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not on our own understanding. Thank God, because I've watched the world lose its mind in the last few years. And if I was gonna trust in their understanding, people are flip-flopping left, right and centre in every sphere of life. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. I'm trusting in the Lord with all, I'm trusting in the character of God. I'm trusting according to Psalm 119 that our God is good and He does good and that He will work all things together for our good and for His glory. I'm trusting that our God still does miracles today. I'm trusting God even when I look at a world that is spiralling out of control, when everything that I believe is being challenged externally, when to be a Christian people consider us narrow or bigoted or dangerous or at best idiots, It used to be different in this nation. It used to be that you, you know, we could believe this stuff and, 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 and people would not think we were that weird. In fact, it was more the cultural norm, but it's not like we're not in Kansas anymore. It's not like that anymore. And that's not just because I'm in California because the Californians are invading the whole country. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that the ones that have been brought up in the house of God under the teaching of the Word of God that have had most access to Christian books, Christian tapes, Christian radio, Christian resources. This is not a day or an hour for you to be getting familiar with God and to be getting lazy in your faith. This is an hour where we need the church to ramp it up another notch. We need the church to have the kind of faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel. In this text, the Roman centurion had the faith that caused the miracle and the people that should have been the people of God didn't see any signs and wonders and miracles because they became so familiar with Jesus. Let's not get so familiar with Jesus that we're lazy in our faith. This is not a time to pull back. This is a time to press in. This is a time to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of us. This is a time to be praying more. This is a time to be gathering and to be bringing our faith into the house of God and to be declaring and decreeing the truth of the Word of God. We need to sing the praises of God up into the atmosphere. We need to stir that gift of faith that we've been given in this hour. That's what we need to do, not pull back. Not pull back. And so trusting God isn't easy. And listen, if you think it comes easy to me, Chris, that's just you. You know, you're eight on the Enneagram. You know, you're a high D on the disc profile. You, you Listen to me. Faith is not a personality type. Faith is not an Enneagram number. Faith is not a love language. I love Christians. They develop tests to excuse Christians from being Christians. It's not any kind of number. Faith is not a personality type. It's a blood type. It's the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that has set us free. It belongs to us all. I don't care if you're a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine on the Enneagram. Honestly, people put more faith in that stuff than they do in the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to set us free. 
So the deal is that we've got to take some risk. It doesn't come out loose. I've come from a background of childhood sexual abuse and abandonment. Faith is not easy for me. Trust, let me tell you, is not easy for someone with my kind of background. You know, not only that, I come from a Greek family and, and Greeks are fatalists. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter how bad things are for a Greek, they can always be worse, seriously. So my mother brought us up and she brought us up and we were not allowed to ski. And um, because this is what my mother, good old Greek mother, Christina, if you go skiing, you will die. Like there was no middle road. There was not like you could ski and ski. No, 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 you ski and die. And so I never went snow skiing until I came to America. And so at 45, we moved to America and that's a 14 hour flight from Australia. So I felt like I'm finally far enough away from my Greek mama that I can go and ski. That's what happens. I mean, we have issues. I'm telling you, we have issues. And so we go to Greece. We go to Greece. That's prophetic. Um, we go to uh, Colorado. And it was during the Winter Olympics. And so we went with five American families. And I was watching the Winter Olympics at night. And I remember I couldn't ski. But I felt a moral obligation to represent Australia because I just felt like <laughs> this is like, you know, I'm a bit competitive. And so I was like, okay. So I would watch them. And then I think I could do that. And then so what I would do is the next day, I'd get up, I'd go to the ski fields, I'd get on that little chairlift and fall off, you know. And so I could, all I could do was be on, you know, the flat green slopes. You, you know where the three-year-olds go to learn? Like, yes, the three-year-olds and Christine. And so this one day, all the guys were gonna go to like the black double diamond, you know, suicide run, like down there, the thing. And I said to Nick, honey, wait, why don't you come with me today? I want you to come with me. To which my husband said, yes, you know, and, um, as we're skiing on a little flat green slope, I said to him, I go, babe, if you were with the guys right now, you wouldn't be having any more fun, would you? And any man here that's been married for five minutes knows that if your wife ever answers you, asks you a loaded question like that, the correct answer, without exception, 100% of the time is to say, no, baby, there is nowhere I'd rather be right now than on this flat green slope <laughs> with you. And of course, if any man wanted any action that night, that's exactly what you would say to your wife. That's exactly what you would say. But my husband being a man of integrity, I should have told this story at the women's conference because this is exactly what he said to me, Kristen. He didn't just say more. He says, you know, Chris, if I was with the guys today, I would be having much more fun than I am right now. <laughs> now that is like putting a red rag in front of a bull. I'm like, much more. So I point my skis downhill. Famous last words, I look over my shoulder and I say to my husband, well, babe, eat my snow. And off I go. And about 20 seconds later, I knew I was in I, I, was, I, I was in having serious problems on the second somersault that was not intended. <laughs> and when I was upside down, I heard the loudest pop, pop, pop that you've ever heard. And I fractured my knee, I tore my MCL, my ACL, my meniscus, any athlete in the room's freaking out. I mean, I did the worst damage you could do. I couldn't get back up and... Um, you know, they had to get the ski patrol. You know, they come, they put you in that little coffin. You go down the mountain and this. Yes, that was me. And, um, and this is, why did I tell you that? This is it. So 
I go in the ambulance, I have to go, I have surgery, I have a hamstring graft, it's so painful. My mother calls me when I'm in recovery. Yes, this is the whole point of it. And this is my mother's words to me. Christina, I am so glad you had an accident because I told you if you go skiing, you will die. This is my Greek family. Trust does not come easy to me. Taking risks, people are like, oh, you lead a global anti-trafficking organisation, you're just like a risk taker. It's not that I come from Australia. We, we have sayings both in my home and in the nation of Australia that's all about don't take any risks. You might know some, we have like, um, you can't have your cake and? Okay, don't couch your chickens. What goes up? You all had a negative Greek mother as well. That's like obvious. <laughs> but everything in life is like, stay safe. Don't step out of the boat. Don't take any risks. Don't rock the boat. Just stay small. Don't believe for much and you won't be disappointed. Don't expect much and you won't be disappointed. Just stay within the cultural box and just appease everybody and don't rock the boat and just wait till you die. Then you can ride the clouds in heaven for the rest of your life and everything will be sweet. Oh, that's what the enemy would love us to think. Just stay small. But the kind of faith I'm talking about, it's a foolish faith. So what I'm telling you, it's the kind of faith that makes you look foolish to the world around you. But there is not anyone, and we have a precedent from Genesis to Revelation of people that God used in their generation that looked ridiculous in their generation. I'm 55, church. I'm done with it's too cool for school Christianity. It's not getting us anywhere. I want good old school, Holy Ghost, faith-filled Christianity, a Christianity that believes that God is who He says He is and that God can do what He says He can do. And I don't care if people think I look weird. Can you imagine how weird did Noah look? Building an ark in the desert. Everyone's like, hey, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? I don't know. Why are you building it? Uh, rain's coming. What's rain? Haven't got a clue. I feel like that most of my Christian life. What are you doing? I don't know. Why? Haven't got a clue. God just said. Whatever happened to that kind of Christianity? People that are building arcs, don't know what an ark is, never been done before. Why? Rain's coming. Don't know what that is, never felt it before, but God gave me a blueprint. It's where we are right now. Behold, I do a new thing, the Lord says. Man, we keep looking back for the same old thing. He's like, I'm not doing the same old thing in a younger version. I'm doing a brand new thing and you can't quite work it out, but will you trust me? How? how, how? I'm just thinking like Moses, how foolish did he look? He brought, led a generation out of Egypt and he gets to the Red Sea. Wasn't expecting that. Oh no, God led them in, hedged them in right there and there's a Red Sea and all the children, there's Pharaoh and his army behind them and all the children of Israel are freaking out. They're like, Moses, what are we gonna do? He's like, I don't know, I've got a stick. <laughs> we are right there in 2022. I don't know, because if God does not split this sea, we got no hope. I don't know, I can't work it out. What about Sarah? She's like in the maternity section at Walmart and all the girlfriends are like, Sarah, what are you doing? Like I'm having a baby. Sarah, your eggs have dried up, honey. Sarah, they have not invented Viagra yet. Abraham's got no hope. 
That woke some of you up, didn't it? Right there. I, I saw you on that South, South Campus. Yes, yes, you just did. And so it's like, whoa, how foolish did she look? How, how foolish did, I don't know, how, how foolish did Caleb look? 85. No, Joshua, I'm not cashing in my 401k. I'm not gonna just golf my way to heaven. We love golf, Pastor, but I'm just saying, we're not just gonna golf my way to heaven. Moses promised me Hebron. I'm 85, I'm as strong now as I was then. I know the world's trying to put me in a retirement plan and say that I need to finish. How foolish did the Israelites look as they're taking laps around the walls of Jericho? What are you doing? I'm just taking another lap. You look like an idiot, I know. What are you doing during pandemic? I don't know, I'm just going to church. That's dumb, I know. What else are you doing? Praying? Wow, that's dumb, I know. What are you doing? Tithing? That's dumb, I know. I know. What are you doing? Joining a small group? Because the Bible says don't neglect and don't forsake the gathering together of believers as is the habit of some. And so that's what I'm doing. Man, you look weird. I know, I know. How foolish do I look? Keep believing God, keep praying. Keep doing what you know to do when everything out of you is out of control. You're like, I don't know how this wall's gonna come down. I don't know what I do. I just keep doing what I've always done in faith. Seems foolish to the world around us. How foolish did it look? David turns up a little slingshot, five little stones, and there's a nine foot giant. Man, all of us are facing nine foot giants right now in some sphere of life. You're like, God, all I've got is this slingshot. It's like, I I never told you you needed anything more than that. I don't know why suddenly you got so slick with your Christianity that you thought you had something better going for you than a slingshot. I don't know when your faith became more in the method than in the God that brought you here. Whatever thought you brought yourself here. Oh, I know you think you've got all the little trimmings now. Most of us haven't been in faith for years. That's all that this has revealed. I'll get to that in a minute. I went very quiet in this Presbyterian church, but I'll just keep going. (laughs) Mary looked foolish, pregnant teenager turns up. (laughs) Joseph, I promise it was an angel. (laughs) How foolish. Esther wasn't even summoned by a king and yet she went in to speak truth to power. How foolish did the wise men look? Man, there's a star. What are you looking for, the Messiah? How foolish did Peter look when he stepped out of a boat? Looked like an idiot. How foolish did the centurion look when he said to Jesus, just say the word. How foolish would he have looked to all of the other Roman centurions? Just say the word. How foolish did the woman with the issue of blood look as she just squeezed through that crowd? Thought, I don't care. I don't care what everyone else in church thinks. I don't care if I'm in the back row. I personally am going to grab that hem of that garment. I don't care if people think I'm an idiot. How how foolish did Paul and Silas look? Singing worship songs in chains, in a prison cell. People are like, have you lost your mind? How foolish did the little boy look? Five loaves and two fish. 20,000 people sitting on the side of a mountain. This is all I got. Do you remember we used to do that with Jesus? That's all we got. Then we got more and we thought it was all ours and so we stopped giving as much proportionally because we're like, oh, might need to just hang on. Then we wonder why we've not seen miracles. So easy when there was only one A21 office, when there's 19. 
But I need the same, I need to have the same attitude of five loaves and two fish with 19 officers than I did with one or I'm out of faith. I'm out of faith. You can hide behind your success as if you're still trusting God, but you stopped trusting God years ago. And then we wonder why faith, faith hasn't been activated. I'll tell you who else looked foolish, certainly, was Jesus Christ. So I don't know what makes any believer, even in 2022, with our modern technological age and our very just intellectual age, what makes us think that we are not gonna look foolish when even our own Messiah, our own Saviour, hung naked on a cross and people looked at, that's your King? <laughs> that's your Saviour? Him? That, that's the King of the Jews. You are gonna stake your entire eternity on Him as He hung there. So I don't know what makes us think that we're gonna be just so loved and accepted and everything's gonna be so cool when our own Saviour was willing to look foolish. But you know what happened to all those people <laughs> that made a decision that they didn't care about culture, about society, about the, as pastor said today, about the thoughts of man and what people think about us, but made a decision that they were gonna honour God above everything else and they were gonna believe God. Remember, all Abraham had to do was believe God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. See, our job's not to do the miracles. Our job is to believe. God's job is to do the miracles. The thing that we've forgotten is impossible is where God starts and miracles are what God does. So when we're confronting impossible circumstances, that's the only time God turns up. He doesn't need to turn up before that because if we're resourced enough, if we're smart enough, if we're connected enough, if we're talented enough, if we're gifted enough, if we're intellectual enough to do it on our own, we don't need God. And somewhere along the line, we'll take the credit for it. So God says, I'm gonna wait till it's even impossible before I even turn up because you don't even even need me until then. But these people believed God. And what happened? Well, what happened is Noah and his family church were saved from the flood. Moses did see the Red Sea part. Sarah did give birth to Isaac. The Israelites did see the walls of Jericho come down. David did defeat Goliath. Esther did stop a Jewish genocide. Caleb did get Hebron. Mary did give birth to Jesus. The centurion servant was healed. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter did walk on water. The woman with the issue of blood, she was healed. Paul and Silas, they got out of that prison cell, that little boy's lunch, it fed all 20,000. And Jesus Christ got off that cross and He defeated hell and He defeated death and He holds the keys to hell and death. And church, I'm here to remind you, my Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and church, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We are a people of faith. We're a people of faith. It's who we are. Oh, God's waiting to do unprecedented signs and wonders and miracles through His people, through His church. Our world's in deep darkness. In the light of Christ, the the glory of the Lord that rests on His house. This is our hour. We were born for this. But let's not be so familiar with Jesus that we become lazy with our faith. Let's have a faith that causes the God of the universe to marvel. Friend, I wonder if you know this God that I'm talking about today. Just stay standing for a moment. On, at all of our locations today, 
Friend, I wonder if you know this God that I'm talking about. Not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? And if you don't right here, right now, right where you are, whichever campus you're at, if you don't know Jesus this morning, today, I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Him. Friend, you were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God and it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. Friend, God loves you so much. Only Jesus Christ can give us forgiveness for our sins, a fresh start today and a hope for the future. Perhaps you once knew God, but if you're honest today, you've been away from God, cold in your heart, maybe even backslidden. Today, friend, I wanna encourage you. This is not a day or an hour to be playing games with God. Don't run from God, come home to God. Make your peace with God today. Maybe a friend invited you into the house of God today and you're not even quite sure how you ended up here. I'm here to tell you, you're not here by accident. You are here in the divine timing, the divine plan and the divine purpose of God. God has brought you here to draw you to relationship with Himself. He loves you so much. Wherever you are today, I want every head bowed and every eye closed in every campus of church today. From the front to the back, from the left to the right, in this moment, I'm not speaking to the person next to you, friend, I'm speaking to you. And if you say to me today, Chris, I want what you're talking about. I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time or you've been away from God, maybe even cold in your heart. And today you're saying, Chris, I want what you're talking about. I want a fresh start with Jesus. Friend, I wanna pray with you. Just a very simple but powerful prayer right where you're sitting or standing in this moment on whatever campus you are on. If you say, Chris, pray with me. Pray with me, I want a fresh start with Jesus. Just so that I know who I'm praying for right now, would you just raise your hand wherever you are? I'm seeing hands go up everywhere, all over this room, literally in every section of the room. This is wonderful, keep those hands going up on every campus, keep those hands going up wherever you are right now. Keep your hands going up, say yes, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ today. That's wonderful, across our whole church, every campus, keep those hands going up. Yes, Chris, keep it up high. Keep it up high. As your hands up high, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Everybody on every campus is gonna pray this prayer out loud after me. Believers, we are praying this in agreement with those people that have raised their hands today that are saying yes to Jesus. We are adding our faith to theirs as they say yes to Jesus. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognise my need for you. I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins that you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your grace. Thank you. Amen, amen. Come on church, let's thank God as people say yes to Jesus. All right, how many enjoy that? Christine Kane, yeah. One, one very important thing, I'll never forget when I prayed a prayer like that in my life. And I'm gonna turn it over to the campus pastors. Go ahead and take your campus at this moment.